what we've been ministering on the last several weeks on the subject of endurance, and we're going to wrap that up this morning, the subject of, of endurance. And we we're sharing from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where we are admonished to run with endurance, which means a sustained effort that will go the distance. The race that is set before us, acknowledging that each one of us individually have a race that's set before us. Collectively, as a local church, we have a race that is set before us as well. And we are to run that race, and the emphasis is that, you know, as we have this race to complete, we have a goal to reach that we are to exert every effort in being faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And we are to, to run this race with endurance, the ability to bear hardship or adversity. Endurance also refers to a lasting quality or a duration. And so it's our, it's our responsibility to, to keep ourselves spiritually, mentally fit so that we can be running the race that God has called us to. We sh uh, sh I had shared with you from Psalm 84 and also from Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm is probably more familiar to many of you, where it makes reference to, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The emphasis there, I want you to continue to think about this morning as we're ministering, is that the psalm said, though I walk through. Does anyone say walk through? Walk Notice he didn't say I'm camping there. I'm not camping there. I'm walking through it. Then in Psalm 84 is another psalm where it says, uh, talks about the, the, the strength of the Lord and, and how uh, we are blessed as we walk. He who walks through the valley of Baca, walking through the valley of Baca, and the word Baca there means a place of weeping or a place of bitterness. And there are seasons of life where there's weeping. There are seasons in life where there's bitterness. We, uh, Jesus didn't promise us a, a life of tiptoeing through the tulips every day, but he did promise that uh, in this life we would have tests, trials, and tribulations. We would be tried, but we're to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. And that Jesus has come to give us life. Jesus has come to destroy the works of the evil one, destroy the works of the devil. But we do walk through valleys of weeping. We do walk through valleys of bitterness. We do walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The, the admonition is, is that we don't stop, we don't give up, and we don't camp in, those, in the valleys. You'll go through valleys, but you know, when you go through the valley, the next thing you come to is you get back up on the mountaintop. So you should be having at least equal mountaintop experiences as what you have valley experiences. Are you with me so far? So there's nothing wrong with, you know, sometimes people feel guilty because they're having a mountaintop experience. Life is good, living the dream. And I almost say it with guilt, like, well, I don't know if I should be saying that. Well, we have no problem telling people about our weeping, our valleys of death, and our, our seasons of bitterness. But the psalmist said that we're blessed. He whose heart is set on pilgrimage, walking through the valley of, 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 of Baca, he's walking through that as you have your heart set on your pilgrimage, which is your race that is set before you. So you're passing through, not setting up camp in these particular places. So it's important that you continue to assess and to identify the weights and the sins that are, that are hindering you and that, and that are preventing you from running with endurance. 
You know what they are. We're all in different seasons of life. We all have different things that we're uh, uh, dealing with, so we don't need to spend a lot of time trying to identify those from the pulpit because I might identify some for six of you, but there may be another several hundred that I didn't touch on. You think, well, I'm good to go. No, you let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You know what the Holy Spirit is dealing you with concerning the weights. Weights are things that are not necessarily sin, but they can become sin when you are obsessed with them and overindulgence of something that doesn't necessarily need to be. But so, so it talked about laying aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you or prevents you from running the race with endurance. Lay it aside, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep focused on Jesus, and he will always see you through. He is your example. He is our example, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He endured to the point of suffering and dying on Calvary's cross, shedding his blood for us. He endured to the point of shedding his blood and dying and being buried. And then on the third day, God raised him up victorious. So he's the example that we are to look to. Then we also have the example of the, the heroes of faith that are recorded uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, gives a whole listing of uh, men and women of faith that did great exploits in, in, in faith in God. They had their trust, their confidence was in God, and it's referred to as a great cloud of witnesses that has been set before us. So you keep looking to them. You keep thinking, wow, if Moses could do it, if, if, uh, if Abraham could do it, and if Isaac did it, and Jacob did it, and, 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 and many others that are listed there and some of them are not listed by names they're just put in groupings but if they could do uh, if they could finish the race on earth and, and they all did it before Jesus came so in Hebrews when you read that sometimes when we read it says have not having received the promise is simply referring to they can, they ran their race of faith before the cross they had the ability and the trust and the confidence in God to stay with what God had called them to do even before the cross, before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are now living on this side of the cross. Certainly if they could do it, we can do it. So keep your eyes on them. Look to Jesus and look to the examples throughout the Old Testament that are recorded there in Hebrews chapter 11 and many others that are not even listed in there. But uh, the, the idea is, is that they, they ran the race. They endured to the end. And we are to endure. Knowing, knowing, we are enduring knowing. And what are we knowing? We're knowing that the trying of our faith, the testing of our faith, it produces, it produces patience. Everyone say patience. You love patience, don't you? Now I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1. And we're going to go through this this morning. Maybe come out as more of a line upon line teaching, but that's all right. We need knowledge in order to have patience. We need knowledge in order to have patience. You got that? So in James, quickly in review, James uh, is writing to the 12 tribes which were scattered abroad. This was a time of dispersion. Uh, it, was a, it was a rapid dispersion. The, the, the opposing 
military came in and just dispersed them quickly. There was not an orderly dispersion. They weren't given a notice that you need to pack up your belongings in three days. You're going to be moved out into another area, into another country. But it was, a, 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 it was something that happened suddenly. They were dispersed. Their, their, their belongings were left behind. Some of them were separated from families. So the, the people of God were dispersed. And, and the good news is they did go about, many of them did go about, preaching in the different regions that they were dispersed to, but they also endured much tribulation as a result of this dispersion. So James is writing to the people as the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. Now he's writing to the people that were dispersed. All of a sudden, you know, just imagine we're all together here today and just in a nanosecond, we all get dispersed and we don't see each other anymore. We're kind of wondering what's going on. So James, as the pastor, writes the letter to the people encouraging them and in his writing, he's showing them how they can, they can turn this tragic situation, they can, they can profit in this. And as you can always profit from a trial, a test, and, and tribulation. You can always profit from it if you set your mind on learning from it. And you can always love God in these situations, and, and, and he ends up giving them the qualities that are needed to endure. So he's writing to them, and in verse 2, he writes to them, he says, Count it all joy when you fall into these various trials. Notice they fell into it. It just happens suddenly. You know, when, you, when you're going through life and, and you, you trip, you just trip suddenly. You don't plan to trip. You don't see a tripping hazard and say, Okay, I'm going to strategize now because I see when I get back to the end of that hallway, I'm going to trip. You know, you don't plan to trip. You just all of a sudden, you're going through life, and you, you weren't planning on it, but all of a sudden, you trip, and things kind of get dispersed. So they fell into various trials, but he's telling them to consider it joy. And when he's telling them to count it joy or to consider it or to judge it as a joy, he's not saying it's joyful. He's just simply saying, consider this to be a joy. Why would he say that? Well, because it's not joyful. What they experienced, there was nothing to celebrate. You don't celebrate being ripped apart from your family, from your possessions, from your home, ending up in a, in, in a strange place, completely feeling isolated and disconnected. That, that doesn't, you know, that's not the ingredient of joy. But he's saying, consider this a joy. This is going to turn out well. Judge it a joy. So it's not a forced or flippant emotional reaction but it's a mature and seasoned judgment of the will and the mind, and it's based on an understanding of the source. Everyone say the source. Based on an understanding of the source and the purpose of the trial. Of the trial. It's very important that we understand when we're going through difficulties. Is this a God thing or is this an enemy thing? And sometimes they can look similar. They can feel similar. But you have to know, and you want to be able to discern. Is this testing? Is this trying? Is this something that's of the Lord, or is this something of the enemy that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy? And we can know that. We can know the difference. So that's why James is writing them. He wants them to know. So in verse 3, it says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. So the testing, the trying of your faith produces endurance. It will produce patience and it will produce endurance if you have the knowledge of what's going on. But many people become very impatient in these circumstances, in these situations. 
So the idea here in verse 3 of knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, it's the ability, you know, you, you, it produces the ability to hold your ground in conflict. In the middle of conflict, you're able to bear up. You're able to endure against adversity. You're able to endure and persevere under pressure. You can do it. As a child of God, God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So the ability to hold your ground in conflict, to bear up, endure against adversity, persevere under pressure. Have any of us ever caved into pressure? I think we all have experienced caving into pressure and just getting frustrated and getting, becoming weary and becoming tired and just like, oh, I can't take it anymore. I just can't take this anymore. This is just too much. But the good news is we can have discernment and we have the wisdom of God and we're coming to a place where in every circumstance, in every situation, we are considering it or judging it as a joy. I'm coming out of this stronger than ever before. In verse 4, he goes on, continues, says, so, so verse 3, the testing of your faith produces an endurance. Then in verse 4, it says, let endurance or patience have its perfect work. Have its perfect work. It's important you understand, it's a perfect work. Perfect means a complete, a self-sustaining. It's something that is without sufficiency. Without sufficiency. So let patience, let endurance have its mature Complete, self-sustaining, no deficiency, nothing's broken, nothing's missing. Let it have its perfect work that you may be complete, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So that's the idea that you're coming through whatever the trial, the tribulation, the persecution, whatever, it is, whatever the valley is that you're walking through, not camping in it, you're walking through it, you're passing through it, you're not stopping there. It's not a, it's not a tourist attraction. It's not some place you want to go and hang out and just marvel at it and tell everyone about it. No, you want to get through it as quickly as you can. You want to get through it as quickly as you can. Get through it. Learn what you need to learn. Become strong and get out of there. So let patience have its perfect work, complete and mature, lacking nothing. As you're going to come out of it complete, nothing's broken and nothing is missing. Verse 5, verse 5, then he says, if, you, if any of you lack wisdom, he's talking about persecution. He's talking to people that have been scattered. Suddenly they have been scattered abroad. Separated from family and friends, separated from houses and possessions, separated from everything that they're accustomed to. So now you're in this situation, you're in the valley of Baca, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going through a test or a trial if you're lacking wisdom. And many times when we're in that trial, we're going through that valley experience, what's something that's very common? We have a tendency to say, I don't understand what's happening. Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. I, I am confused. How am I ever going to overcome this situation? How will I get through this season of life? Those are the types of questions that we entertain. And it's, not, it's very normal to do that, but James is saying don't stay stuck there and asking all the questions or wondering or whining and complaining in the situation. We said if you like wisdom in this situation... 
What situation is he referring to? The people that have been scattered. You're going through a test. You're going through a trial. You like, you like wisdom? Ask God. Let him ask of God, and God will give, it to, give to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. What an assurance there. When we are up against something, when we're in a valley, when we're in a, a very confusing season in life, a test or a trial, we are encouraged here to ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom, and he will give it to you liberally, liberally and without reproach. Now, it says there's no, there's, there's no rebuke. Wow, you idiot, you should know that. The word idiot there was for emphasis, but I don't think God would ever say that. I know he would never say that, but it says without reproach. And he'll give it to you liberally. In verse six, tells us, encouraging us, but when you do ask God, make sure you're asking him in a spirit of faith, a spirit of expectation. You're not doubting it, but you're believing him and, and because you don't, you know, he who uh, doubts is like a wave of the sea. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord in verse 7. And verse 8 says, you're double-minded, unstable in all your ways. Well, we all feel unstable when we're in the valley, when we're going through some very difficult seasons of life when we can't quite comprehend what's going on. It's a very unstable, it's a very unsettling time in our lives. We're trying to figure out, is this of God or is this not of God? I remember in, uh, Brian Wills's the book that Brian Wills wrote, for those of you that are familiar with him, he wrote a book called 10 Hours to Live. He had been diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor said he only had 10 hours to live. And, you know, here he is 30-some years later, married, and has, I think, three or four children, doing quite well. But he wrote a book some years ago, and in that book he brought out, the, he brought one of the things that he brought out in that book that I thought was, uh, to me, I thought it was profound. He said, it's really important that you understand whether something is of God or whether it's of the devil. And in this case, you know, being that, that, that cancer that he had, he was acknowledging that this was not of the Lord. This was of the enemy trying to take him out. It's important that you know that because you never know whether, if you don't know that, you don't, and, and you're going through some type of conflict, some type of uh, situation in your life, you don't know whether to embrace it because if, if it's of the Lord, you should embrace it, right? Anything that's of God, you should embrace it. You should thank him for it. Correct? Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the right answer. Yep. But many times people get confused and they're thinking, well, perhaps God didn't give it to me, but he allowed it to happen for some purposes that I can't figure out. And he's, he's really emphasizing, no, we, we need to ask God for wisdom. And we can know that we know that we know what's of the Lord and what's of the enemy. Because if it's of the Lord, you want to embrace it. If it's of the enemy, you want to reject it. So wisdom here is to know. What am I to do? God, this happened. How am I going to get through this? Give me the wisdom to get through this. Or they could have just camped there. They could have just settled in the dispersion. So here we are dispersed and just stayed there and whine and complain and moan about it. Things were great in Jerusalem. The church was going well. We loved our church, but it's gone. We're gone. So you have to know whether to embrace something or whether, or whether to reject it. So ask God for wisdom. Get into the word of God. 
and asking for wisdom. And this particular word wisdom here refers to a comprehensive insight into the true nature of a particular situation, which leads to a correct and skillful application of knowledge. Ask God for wisdom, comprehensive insight into the true nature of the particular situation that you are encountering at this very moment. And God's wisdom will lead you to a correct and a skillful application of knowledge. Knowledge and what's the next step? What should I be believing? What should I be doing? What should I be receiving? What should I be rejecting? Without this wisdom, we end up wasting the opportunity of allowing patience or endurance to have its perfect work, bringing about us becoming complete, entire, nothing broken, nothing lacking, nothing missing. So it's important that you go on the pursuit of getting the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ. So, well, Pastor Ray, that sounds so laborious. It sounds so time-consuming. Well, you think wisdom, getting wisdom, is expensive and time-consuming. Try ignorance. <laughs> I think you'll prefer wisdom over ignorance. So ask God for wisdom in a spirit of faith. In, in a spirit of faith. Then verses 9 through 11. Many times I would read this in the past, I always thought, James, you're, you're changing topics so quickly here. But the more I've been studying it and reading it and pondering, I'm realizing, no, he, he's, he's addressing the 12 tribes that have been scattered, and he's, he's addressing a lot of situations quickly, but they all tied together. So here he's saying, let the lowly uh, brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will fade away in his pursuit. Everyone say his pursuit. So the point that James is making here, I mean, there's some other applications as well, but Basically, generically here, the humiliation of the rich and the exaltation of the poor here, have to, he's dealing with heart attitudes. Heart attitudes. You know, when this dispersion took place, this dispersion didn't just come in and disperse the wealthy people or just the poor people. It happened no matter what your financial status was. They all were dispersed. So neither poverty... In this dispersion, the point that he's bringing out is that neither poverty nor wealth will bring you through this. Only faith in God's promises will get you through, and this, and this particular faith, this wisdom, and this knowledge is available to all. In verse 10, when he makes a comment, he says, as the flower falls... You know, life is, as, as, life is as uncertain to a rich person as it is to a poor person. James talks about you know, guarding against inequalities and so forth. In verse 11, it says, uh, speaks of the uselessness. In verse 11, where it says, For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat. Burning heat is a, is a type of tribulation, a, a, a type of 
persecution, you know, just affliction. Uh, In Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, the seed is sown, has no root. The sun, the scorching sun comes up and it withers because it has no root. So the scorching sun is adversity. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Not God's pursuits, but in his pursuits. So it's really not attacking the riches, it's attacking the wrong pursuits. And a rich man has a greater temptation to follow his own pursuits because he has the wherewithal to follow his own. So he's just saying, don't do it. And so it's really verse 11 is speaking of the uselessness of depending on your riches or anything in life other than the promises of God's word. You're in a place where you're blessed, rejoice in it, but don't put, don't put your faith in that. Your faith must be in the promises of God's word. The same scorching sun will wither grass, flower, and weeds alike. Nothing is immune. But the flower is the first to wither because of its frailty. Flowers are very frail, and, you know, when the sun comes up, you know, if you don't keep keep them watered, they start looking pretty frail quite quickly. But this is a type of the person that has become frail in their faith due to their dependence on their resources. Don't be dependent on your resources. You can thank God for your resources. It's not wrong to have resources, but don't be dependent on them. Put your trust and your confidence needs to continue to be developed in God, in the promises of God's word. When trials come and finances and resources are in short supply, this type of person can't endure, they can't take the heat. Verse 11, and this is what happens to a rich man in his, not God's, pursuits. His pursuits, not God's pursuit. Now just hold there for a second. Turn with me to Psalm 1, because I want to contrast that with a person who does put their trust in God and spends time seeking and pursuing the wisdom of God. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Because he's, he's enjoying getting the wisdom of God. And in his law, in the word, he meditates day and night, getting wisdom, getting knowledge. And here's a picture of what this person will be like. Contrast this with the flower of James 1.11. It says, he, this person, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. So that's, the, that's your goal. You want, to, you want to continue to pursue wisdom and knowledge. This person here in Psalm 1 was pursuing the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He's likened to a tree planted by the water. It's not going to wither. 
It will not wither because it always has a supply. James is talking about addressing a person here. Yes, you have some resources, but you're under this persecution right now. And because your faith is not in me, but it's been in your resources, just like a flower that's not being watered will fade quickly, you are fading quickly because you don't have any trust, you don't have any confidence in me. So always develop your faith and your confidence in God. Verse, back to James chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptations, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for he cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Let not that one say, I am tempted by God. It's a double negative there in the original Greek language. And its emphasis means whatever's going on, stop it. Whatever's been going on, stop it. Let, not, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. I am tempted by God. That's why it's important to understand is this temptation, is this circumstance, is this situation, is this valley that I'm in right now, is it a God leading or is it something I got myself into and I need to repent and I need to lay aside every weight and every sin that's ensnaring me from running my race and I need to turn to God, I need to seek his wisdom and his grace and his mercy and stop blaming him. Stop blaming him for this situation that I'm in. Stop blaming God for it. Look at your neighbor and say, let's stop blaming God. <laughs> now say it again like you mean it. <laughs> and say it again like you're going to stop it. I'm going to stop blaming God. I'm going to stop it. Oh, God, why are you doing this to me? And then, you know, then of course, being spirit-filled charismatic believers, we would never say that God did it, but he uh, allowed it. So therefore, it must be his... Yeah, stop it. Stop it. Say, well, how will I know? We already addressed that. You lack wisdom, ask God. So next time before you say God did it or God didn't do it, but he allowed it so it must be his will, he must have a purpose in it, before you say that, go to God and ask him. God, did you do this to me? Is this sickness in my body a gift from you? Do you have a purpose in this? You can ask him that. He'll tell you. He'll let you know. Now, don't get me wrong. There are trials that we go through. The trying of your faith, there is a trying of your faith, but it's never anything that God already paid the price for through his son, Jesus Christ, at Calvary's cross. Amen. Isaiah 53, the great redemption chapter, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. So the things that he redeemed us from, and Jesus died to redeem us from, God would not use those to teach us something. Well, then people say, well, God's doing this to teach me something. No, if you read the word of God, the, Jesus said, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit will come, and he will teach you 
50% of the things you need to know. No, he'll teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. So when you are experiencing any dispersion, look to the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to be made wisdom unto you. He is your teacher. So stop saying the things that you've been saying and stop putting on God the things that are, that are not of him and recognize you know, what's of him and what is not of him. So in verse 14, uh, through the next couple of verses, then talks about where temptations come from. You're drawn away by your own desires, enticed, and those types of things. So th- that type of temptation, you don't want to be blaming God. In verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. Every good and every perfect gift. I think you can tell the difference between a good gift and a bad gift. The bad gift or the wrong gift is the ones that you see the day after Christmas, going back to the mall, <laughs> being sent back. So that was a stupid gift. There was no thought put into that. I don't even need that. I don't want that. <laughs> but the good gifts, the good gifts, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of peace, the gift of Jesus having been bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes we were healed. Those are good gifts. Amen? Amen. Good gifts. Receive those good gifts. And then the next couple of verses, 19 and, uh, verse 19 and 20, he's drawing these admonitions to a close here. Uh, this part of the letter, by leaving Again, the 12 tribes that were scattered abroad, now he's saying, you know, he's, he's talking about profiting from your trials to continue to love God under trials, putting the rich and the poor, that inequality stuff, putting it all in proper perspective. We all need to have faith and trust and confidence in God. That's where our help comes from. Now he's making this statement right here. I'm gonna use this next verse to close it out this morning. He's gonna give us... in qualities that are needed for endurance qualities that are needed for endurance verse 19 so then so then what so then knowing who you're supposed to trust in knowing who you're supposed to seek wisdom from knowing who you are to uh, acknowledge and, and develop your faith in knowing that you're to love God knowing that you're not to blame God for things that don't belong on him knowing all these things knowing that every good gift comes down from the father above so then knowing all these things I know you're scattered I know you're going through some very difficult times you're walking through a valley of shadow of death you're walking through the valley of Baca today uh, in real time here, the circumstance that you're in right now, the unpleasantries that you're experiencing, um, whatever that 
time of hardship is in your life, here are some enduring qualities that will help you come through this circumstance that you're in. It will help you come out of the valley of weeping, the valley of bitterness, the valley of the shadow of death, the test, the trial, the temptation that you're in. It says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every one of you be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now picture this. He's writing to a people that are scattered abroad. And, he's, and, and their words probably coming back to James as the pastor of the church of Jerusalem saying these people are scattered all over and some of us coming back and they're blaming God. They're saying God did it and God caused it and so forth. And James is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, we all need to get the mind of Christ. We need to get the wisdom of God. We need to pursue God's will. Uh, when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he told them not to be ignorant, but to know the will of God and, and to be filled with the Spirit. So we're, it, it's incumbent upon us to know the will of God. And these things are coming back. And James said, no, 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 stop blaming God. Stop saying God did it. God doesn't tempt anyone with evil. Uh, every good and every perfect gift comes down. But here's what I want you to do. If you're going to come through this situation, you're going to come through it complete, entire, and everything intact. Nothing's broken. Nothing's missing. You're going to experience restoration. You're going to have everything you need to run the race with endurance. You must be quick to hear. To hear what? To hear what is the Lord speaking. What is the Holy Spirit speaking? He will lead you, guide you, direct you. He will show you things to come. He will bring to your remembrance things that you need to remember. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your guide. He's your helper. Be quick to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And unfortunately, when we are going through the valleys, seasons of life, whether it's the valley of Baca, the valley of the shadow of death, or the reality of the valley that you're in right now, it can get very, very noisy. It gets very noisy. A lot of voices and a lot of unsolicited advice. You should do this, or you should try this, or you, have you considered this, or did you try this? Well, maybe you should go to a different church, or maybe you should try a different spouse, or maybe you should change schools, or just all oh, just change things up, all kinds of voices out there. And we just start shuffling pieces around and thinking, oh, you know, like a kaleidoscope, things just kind of keep moving, and if we get it just to the right place, we'll have the perfect picture. Quiet yourself. And this can be very, very difficult when you're going through something, to quiet yourself, quiet yourself, and hear what is the Lord speaking. Most people mean well, and there's a few out there that are just ornery and nasty that give you stuff to try to get you off course, but most people mean well when they're giving you information, but they're not always filled with the wisdom of God. They're not always filled with the wisdom of God. You know, Job was in a place when he was going through what he was going through where he had to, you know, just tune out his friends and start praying for them. So be quick to hear. Develop. Train yourself to be quiet, to hear the voice of the Lord. Get into the Word of God. You like wisdom? 
Ask for wisdom. So you say, okay, I'm going through a situation. I'm lacking wisdom, so I'm going to ask God for wisdom. Then all of a sudden, you have all these voices coming at you. Now, what is the wisdom of God? Is it from this brother? Is it from this sister? Is it from this counselor? It may be. It may be. But you really want to make sure you're getting whatever's coming to you is coming as a result of the word of the Lord. Is it coming from God's word? Is it Bible-based? Is it God-based? Is this coming from the foundation of faith in the promises of God's word? His promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. But to get this wisdom, when you pray for God, when you pray to God, God, I'm praying for wisdom. You said you would give it to all of us. You'd give it liberally. You'd give it without reproach. You pray for it. And then you follow it up with corresponding action and you get yourself into the word of God and say, okay, I'm going to read the word. I'm going to receive the wisdom of God. I'm going to be quiet myself. I'm going to hear the voice of the spirit. I'm going to get direction. I'm going to get direction. I'm going to be quick to hear the direction of God. And he will lead you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll direct you. The second quality since you guys were all real excited about being quick to hear, the second one is learn to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Don't just, you know, you get in a situation where you want to start explaining everything. Well, it happened because of this, or perhaps it was this, or perhaps it was that. And other people say, well, this is why it happened, or this is why it happened, or there must be strife in your life, or there must be unforgiveness in your life. And all the judgmental people come out and come out in droves and just start, you know. Be quick to hear the voice, discern the voice of God, and then be slow to speak. There's, nothing, there, there, there's no law, there's no rule that says, you know, every time you, you, you feel yourself getting into a pinch that you, start, that you need to start talking and explaining it. Perhaps you just want to be quiet and settle down and say, all right, I'm going to get the mind of Christ. I'm going to hear the Holy Spirit, and I'm only going to speak what the Holy Spirit is prompting me to speak. Really slow to speak. And the third quality that James drops in on them here on verse 19, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Slow to get angry. Anger can be a very normal response to circumstances and situations, especially in this setting. Again, picture, when you're reading James, always try to picture who he's writing to, a people that have been dispersed, abruptly uprooted from normal. And they've been dispersed, separated from family and friends, from possessions, houses, and material things they've been dispersed from. That, that's, you know, almost feel angry for them. It's not fair. It's not right. But he says, be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. The anger of God, I mean the anger of man, does not produce the righteousness of God. Yes, it's a very normal human response to feel angry when you're ripped apart from something, something's stolen from you. But make sure that you don't allow that anger to govern your speech, that anger to govern your next steps, to govern 
what you're listening to, but to be quick to hear the voice of the Spirit, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Your anger, the anger of man, will not produce righteousness, a right standing with God. And that's the ultimate goal, is to, is to stay in fellowship with God, to stay in a right relationship with him. And James writing to these people saying, you can do this. You, you, you Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Don't be dependent on your resources. Resources are fine. He's not talking about a redistribution of wealth. He's simply talking about everyone, no matter where you are, you need to have your trust in God. Trust in God. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Stay focused on God. He loves you. I can get through this. I can get through this, and I will get through this. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can do it. You can do it. My personality is a personality of being quiet, especially when I have a huge task in front of me. And it can be frustrating to my loved ones because I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get quiet and I'm going to get focused and I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other one. And when I have a huge monumental task in front of me, I'll just quiet down. I'm not saying that's right, but that naturally I, I can do that. And, but it says be slow to speak. doesn't say don't speak. <laughs> Amen? Amen. But sometimes it can be as perceived as there's something wrong. Is he okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm just putting one foot in front of the other. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I remember coming out of the Grand Canyon a couple summers ago, hiking out of the Grand Canyon, being told it's 10,000 foot, 10, foot elevation. And it's going to take approximately, average, it takes you know, six to eight hours for people to hike out. Of course, you have to beat that. You can't be average. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm not sure well, how average am I. But in situations like that, I just get quiet. And Nancy's and Tyler and Megan are in front of me. They're looking back. Are you okay? Are you okay? So shut up and leave me alone. I'm, I'm <laughs> I have a climb in front of me. I won't waste any oxygen talking. I need, <laughs> I need everything I have to put my foot in front of the other one. You know, so. I got out in, what was it, five hours? Something like that. So that puts me below average, doesn't it? <laughs> no, ahead of average. So anyway, God loves you. You will go through circumstances in life. Have the wisdom of God to discern. You know the difference. You know the difference. Being a Christian, being a follower of God, does not exempt you from having some challenges, some difficult times. God, there is a trying of our faith. It's of your faith. It's not of your physical body. It's of your faith. The trying of your faith produces patience, but the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Know the difference. You have the mind of Christ. You have the wisdom of God, and you can endure and you can come out victorious in jesus name amen father i thank you and i praise you for all the beautiful people that are here today i thank you for every household represented here for every individual person lord i thank you in jesus name that you are for us you are not against us i thank you that our confidence and our trust is in you it's not in our resources 
Lord, that we develop our, our faith in the promises of God that are still standing today. You have not failed us yet, and you never will. Matter of fact, we will see you do things again that you've done before. We'll see it happen again in our lives. I pray for every person where they are right now, whatever valley, whatever circumstance you're in right now, even for those of us who may be saying, well, I'm not in a valley, I'm on a, I'm on a mountaintop, or I'm somewhere in between. Lord, wherever we are in our walk with you, I'm asking you for a great outpouring of grace and mercy and wisdom and understanding in Jesus' name, name above all names. That, Lord God, that we are here to help one another, bear one another's burdens, and encouraging one another to pray for one another. No matter where we are, we're in this together, and we see it as a togetherness. We're coming out, and to you, you receive the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Name above all names, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. Folks, you're equipped to endure, so continue marching on with God. He loves you. Don't ever give up. Don't stop loving. Amen. If you have any need for prayer, some people would love to meet you up here and pray with you. Other than that, you have a great day, a great week. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday morning. God bless you. We love you.